0: Loving Father, we thank you that we can uh, come together and to be fed and nurtured by your word. We pray that by your spirit you would indeed do that so that we see the wonder and glory uh, that is your son and whom also is our brother. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, as uh, you know we're working through Luke's gospel I hope you have an outline in your, in your news sheets outline, am I seeing not, it's good uh, Luke 15, as you see there are uh, parables of lostness and lostness is something I think we can all kind of relate to I'm always losing things well not always, I just remember that which I've lost you know, where's the TV remote Happens every day. Uh, the pen at my desk. I was looking for a black pen at my desk yesterday. Sure enough, you know where I found it. In the curate's office. Okay, he'll be back next week. We'll sort him out. My sunglasses. I lost a good pair of sunglasses. Disappeared, but somewhere between the garage and the house. I have a sneaking suspicion that they've been chewed up and left in the garden somewhere. Uh, but the most memorable one is when I lost my whole set of keys we're in Bendigo and Tanya and I were running an event at church one Saturday night uh, and we were driven to distraction looking for these, this set of keys. Couldn't drive home and of course the keys are also important because keys open the door to home. A place uh, where we feel safe and accepted and I was lost without my keys. Uh, As I mentioned, these parables are uh, all about human lostness, Uh, the parable of the lost sheep or the lost coin or the lost son, but they're also about being brought home or coming home, Uh, life being changed and restored and turned around and transformed because of God's amazing unconditional love and generosity. Uh, But our time will be spent in verses 11 onwards this morning to the end of the chapter. So let's recap the story, if we know it. The father, he has two sons, doesn't he? Two sons, the younger son and the older son. Two sons, the younger son gets sick of home, so he leaves. The younger son gets homesick. The younger son ends up home again. The father is thrilled to have him home, so he throws a party. But the older brother, if we know the story, is totally sick about that. And cracks a bad case of the sookie la That's how the story goes, isn't it? He's very upset. And as Jesus is teaching the crowd in verse 1, it's not hard, I don't think, to pick the parallels, who the characters are. So this is point two on our outline. So the Father, of course, is like God. The Father is like God. And the brothers... Well, they're like those listening to the story. So you see there two different responses in verses 1 and 2. In verse 1, you've got tax collectors and sinners. They're listening in. And the tax collectors and sinners, they'd be like the younger son, the rebellious son, wouldn't they? And verse 2, you've got Pharisees and teachers of the law. And they'd be like the older son. And maybe as we look and uh, read through this, we might see ourselves in the story. So let's look at the younger son. The younger son is an out-and-out rebel. He is the black sheep of the family. Look at verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me share of, my, of, of the estate. Literally, give me a share of your life, he's asking. And so he divided. the father divided the property up between them. Um, estates weren't normally divided until the father's death. So it's like the younger son is saying to his dad, I wish you were dead. Father, I wish you were dead. Uh, give me what your death will give to me or bring to me, and give it to me now. And so the Father is like God, absolutely, because some people are like the Son. And we meet people like this every day, where God is irrelevant to them. But I'll have God's gifts. I'll have. The rain, I'll have children, I'll have opportunities, I'll have the very air we breathe, I'll have all these good gifts, but I don't want God. The son wants independence from the father. He wants God's blessings, but he doesn't want the giver of those blessings. And what attracted the young man to a life without God? Independence. He doesn't want to be dependent on God. I don't need you God I'll run life my own way thanks very much can you picture the young son walking down the road with wads of cash in his back pocket as I read verse 13 not long after that the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living you see him go off he goes with the cash convinced pleasure and while living and independence will lead to happiness. Now let's look at the older son. He's like a good moral community figure. But in this story, he too rejects his father. He refuses his father. See verse 29, he's having a blue with his dad. Verse 29, look, he says to his father, Look, Father, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Do you see the way he sees himself? This son is a fine, upstanding moralist. Here is a dutiful child. He's hardworking. He's lived a good life. He's even joined the family business. He's a respectable bloke at every level. He's always in the local newspaper having his photo taken. For doing something good. That's this son. But he's and he's very different from his brother, it seems. But notice also that he's nothing like the father either. He's not like the father. The younger son returns, so verse 28. What does verse 28 say? The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Now, this is one of those uh, uncomfortable family squabbles that you see from time to time, where everyone kind of turns away, and, they, oh, that's, that's a bit embarrassing. This is getting a bit awkward. You know, awkward family fights. Where the father is glad, but the brother is angry. Where the father greets with open arms. We heard that in the story. But the brother's arms, what are they? They're, they're folded he doesn't want to have a bar of it the father says my son but the brother says in verse 30 can you see it he says this son of yours he won't admit they're even of the same blood we are not even in the same gene pool this son of yours such is the older son's contempt and anger but the older brother thought He was the model of unselfishness and righteous behaviour. But verse 29 shows he is only concerned about himself. Someone wrote, The older son contrived without leaving home to be as far away from his father as his brother was in the pigsty as ever his brother was in the pigsty. Both sons aren't so different after all. They're not so different after all, which is point five. Both sons are lost. This parable is not the parable of the lost son. The title is wrong. This is the parable of the lost sons. See, if you want to see God and Christianity in terms of practising religion these sons are both poles apart from each other but if you want to see God and Christianity in terms of relationship these two boys are both out of relationship with their father one is religious the other is not one is respectable the other is not yet both are out of relationship with their father. And that is what concerns Jesus. What concerns Jesus is our relationship with our father. So if you're like the younger son, you'll probably know that you have been rebellious and that you treat God like he doesn't exist. But what of the respectable older brother? Well, if we're honest, respectable religion has about as much in common with a relationship with God as a cold, loveless marriage has in common with a real lifelong love story. See, how can you tell if you are an older brother? Well, does your religion make you feel superior to others? Law-abiding, dutiful, upright, moral. That's what this community needs. Do you hold some strange idea that the world would be a better place if there were more people in it like you? Do you get a little poke of self-righteousness from being religious? Well, it's not a good place to be because this is where the Pharisees are. The Pharisees are in a place where they feel morally superior to others. And that doesn't speak of a relationship with God. It speaks of the opposite. The sons make an amazing discovery. This is point six. Remember, they are equally broken with the father. Remember, the young son loves independence. But what does he find? Well, while wild living provides instant gratification, the word squander in verse 13 has a sense of hollowness. He has literally wasted his life. The young man doesn't find freedom, but instead he finds bondage. Look at verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he left home to be in control, but now he is out of control. Verse 16. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, But no one gave him anything. And here is the turning point for the young son. See, finally, the lights come on in verse 17. Do you see those words in verse 17? When he came to his senses. When he came to his senses. See, how could I be so blind? How could I not see the obvious? How could I treat my father like this? How could I be so ungrateful and miss the obvious? And in verses 18 to 19, he's rehearsing there his breakthrough. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now there's an apology. He starts to see his father as his father really is. He starts to see himself as he really is, someone who is unworthy. And he begins to surrender his delusions about independence. See, he says, I don't only lack food, I lack my father. I lack this most important relationship. What does he long for? He longs to go home. But home is not in the sense of a place, because that's not home. Home in terms of this relationship. So we know children who do not experience a home live all their lives with a fundamental inability of attachment. Home is the place where I belong and where I am accepted. That is home. And so while, when the wild living ends, The younger son finds himself in a place where he is no longer accepted. He is surrounded by conditional relationships. The same thing we are surrounded by. See, our relationships are like this, aren't they? We will love you if relationships. Where there's always a price tag. But the amazing thing about a real home is that you are loved anyway. And that is the glory of home. So the young son goes home to his dad and says, Father, I'm sorry. That's, that's hard to say. It's much easier to blame and say it's your fault. The younger son knows he needs to say sorry. He's, he needs not only food, but also his forgiveness. And what does the father do? Can we see this beautiful picture of the father in verse 20? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him he throws his arms around him and kisses him different to what we read in Deuteronomy they would run after him and stone him but not he. he kisses him look at verse 22 the father said to his servants quick bring the best robe and put it on him put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet bring the fatted calf and kill it let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again he was lost and he's found so they began to celebrate it's party time see what are we being taught here as we read this parable this story what does it mean to be embraced by the father I think part of what it means is that, verse 17, you've come to your senses. That you've woken up and you've realised that home is where you belong and where you are accepted. And that is where unconditional love is. And the key is when we say sorry, when we ask for forgiveness. That's the key. And when that happens, that which was once dead is now alive again. Coming home is coming back to a relationship with God. And when that happens, there is rejoicing in heaven as the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin and this parable teach us. The young son comes home. He would never have left home if he'd realised the generosity of God in the first place. And so I wonder this morning, Is your heart overwhelmed by the generosity of God? Is your heart overwhelmed by the generosity of our Father who loves us? I mean thank goodness he didn't bump into his older brother. Verse 12, everything was divided. Verse 31, everything left is the inheritance of the older brother. The younger brother spent his, there's no way his older brother is going to pay. He wouldn't have given him a robe and he would not have given him a ring. He would have said, no way, it's mine. You're not coming back and chipping into my inheritance. He wants to know nothing of this. He can stay dead for all he cares. But thankfully, as the Bible was read out this morning from Hebrews, we were reminded that we have a different older brother, don't we? we have a different older brother our older brother is the Lord Jesus Christ and he wasn't stingy or selfish I mean he earned the robe and he earned the ring because he lived the perfect life didn't he but at the end of the life they stripped him of the robe and they cast lots for it and he didn't get the fattened calf at the end of his life he got uh, hyssop and he got vinegar didn't he And this old brother Jesus, as he dies on the cross, says the only way for you to be clothed, like this prodigal son, is for me to be stripped. The only way for you to have the robe and the ring is for me to lose them. And so he dies executed on the cross for our sins. And why did Jesus, our brother, do that? He did it so that we can come home. Our true older brother says, I've paid the price for you to go home to your true home, so bypass hell and go home. The younger son is home, but the older son doesn't go. Why doesn't the oldest son join the party? What stops him? Do you see verse 29? I never disobeyed you. The thing that stops him from apologising to his father and repenting, the thing that means he controls his own life, is his own sense of goodness. His weapon of rebellion against God is his merit and his goodness. And that is a route to hell. It's where the Pharisees of the law are. And so the older brother is in a dangerous place. All of us need to come home. All of us need to come back to the Father through Jesus Christ. And when we do, all of heaven rejoices because what was once lost has been found again. So do you want to be welcomed home? Well, if you do, please join me as we pray. Loving Father, thank you for the promise of being at home with you. Thank you for reminding us that this promise is not found in a self-righteousness. It's not found in a good moral life. It's found only through our relationship with you Thank you that you are a welcoming and compassionate father that loves us unconditionally. Thank you for expressing that love through your son, Jesus. Thank you that he laid down his life so that we could come home to you and enjoy relationship with you. For those far off, we pray, Jesus, I recognise I was far away. Please forgive me and welcome me home. And for those who have trusted in goodness and merit, we pray, Jesus, I recognise I am unworthy, and I ask you too for forgiveness. And so we say thank you, Father, for welcoming us home with open arms. Of course, we pray this in the strong name of Jesus, our brother. If you're for- Amen.